0: Well, in theater, you can be many people, right? And um, as an actor, I was able to put myself into someone else's shoes. Um, And then when I merged into playwriting, I discovered that I could give a chance to those who who doesn't have a chance sometimes in the theater.
1: Hello, I'm Eric Anderson. The voice you just heard belongs to Saskatoon actor and playwright Julissa Campos. Julissa is the featured guest in Episode 4, Season 3 of YXE Underground. Seven years ago, Julissa Campos left her home in Ecuador to study drama at the University of Saskatchewan. She quickly noticed there were few stories being told from a newcomer or diverse point of view in the city, so she set about to change that. You'll find out why sharing these diverse stories means so much to Julissa in this episode of YXC Underground. Julissa Campos is one of those people who has a presence when they enter a room. Hers is a mixture of confidence and conviction fueled by a lot of passion to tell and share stories on a stage before an audience. I felt this presence this past summer when I was doing some hosting work for an Issues in Theatre television series for SaskTel in Saskatoon's 25th Street Theatre. Julissa was one of the guests for a diversity panel and right away I was just hit with her presence. And did I mention she's just... 26. Julissa is an actor, a playwright, and a theatre company owner. She has written plays such as The Ungrateful Immigrant, Trapped, and I, Frida. She has acted in these plays and many other local productions, and she started Saskatchewan's first Latinx theatre company called I, Caramba Theatre. She also hosts a podcast celebrating her Latin heritage called Latinas in Stoon. I have my friend Anita Smith to thank for introducing me to Julissa Campos. Anita is the executive director of 25th Street Theatre here in Saskatoon and has worked with her on several productions. She too is a big fan of Julissa.
2: Julissa is unapologetically her authentic self, which is so interesting to be around. Um, she doesn't, uh, she's not like brazenly herself, but she just is herself. She doesn't, she doesn't put anything on. And I find that energy to be really um, refreshing and welcoming in our community. And uh, I think that she's got this incredible um, work ethic, drive, determination. Uh, I often think, oh, you know, Julie, you're taking on too much. But far be it from me to tell anyone that they are taking on too much. And I think that she's just one of those people that thrives on uh wearing a lot of different hats and being able to do a lot of different things and and she hustles, and I mean that in the nicest of ways. If something is not if she is not seeing things that are if things are not going the way that she wants them to, she changes it. She just changes the way the story is going and uh, I really respect that.
1: Julissa is passionate about sharing and telling diverse stories on Saskatoon stages and her work is garnering international attention. In January, she will perform her play, I, Frida, at the Singapore Fringe Festival virtually. This performance is taking up a lot of her time these days, but she was kind enough to meet me for the podcast to talk about the importance of telling diverse stories on stage we met at a restaurant on Broadway and I started by asking if she remembered the first time she saw a live theater back home in Ecuador
0: well my first time was in Guayaquil back home in Ecuador um, I remember watching cabaret and now it's just mesmerized by the singing and dancing and my parents well at least my dad was always involved in art so like he was never an actor or anything but he loved watching shows so he always took me to a theater and, but actually my love for theater, I would say like performing arts came through a movie. I remember being 12 and watching Gone with the Wind. And I don't know, but I fell in love with that long movie that in my mind I was like, I want to do this. I want to see myself one day on screen. Cause I was very like, I want to be an, a screen actor. But then in school doing like showcases and being part of the drama club, I was, I fell in love more with theater and I started taking courses back home when I was like 16, and going to the theater every time. So from from cabaret, from that show that I watched, um, I started watching more shows. And then I think what sold my like my desire to be an actor was when I went to see Phantom of the Opera at Broadway. That was when like this is it. I want to do this. For the rest of my life, until I can.
1: Wow! Hey, can you take me back to Gone, Gone with the Wind? Because like, I I remember watching that movie too as a kid. Um, it did not make me want to be. I I remember it being a really long movie, but it but it is a classic. But what was it about that film that really like sparked something in you?
0: I don't know. It was the whole drama, the whole like love story where, it's like, it didn't have a happy ending. And I feel like life it's not not saying life never has a happy ending, but it's just that it was realistic in terms of that one thing happens after the other and it's just like you're having a stable stable life and then life throws you curveballs and you had to like go through that. Um, so I don't know, I just like the whole drama, the whole um, intensity. I grew up watching soap operas, so to me Gone with the Wind was very similar to that dramatic style and acting from the classic Hollywood, you know, the old age of Hollywood. Yeah. So I guess that's why I fell in love with that.
1: Are, are soap operas popular back home in, in Ecuador? And, and- like would I say like like maybe South America in, in general?
0: Yeah, in Latin America, yeah. soap operas are huge things like telenovelas. That's yeah. something that we live for. Like everyone watches the telenovela. It's just like it's a morning, noon, night. Yeah, it's very common. It's uh, and we have them from many countries like Mexican telenovelas are huge. Venezuelans were huge back in the time. Colombia right now is like striking with Netflix shows, so mo- many of the telenovelas are switching into Netflix. In Latin American Netflix, it's like full of telenovelas. I'm so sad that we don't get them here. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, I I want to ask more um, in a bit in terms of like how how you how you came to Saskatoon um, and 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 that story, but um, I, I know you are you are heavily involved with the theater scene in in Saskatoon right now, and I'm just wondering. Um, as, as, a, as a newcomer to, to Saskatoon and to Canada, um, what, what is it about theatre that, that not only excites you, but um, where you feel empowered that you can, you can share your voice? And I know we've, we've had a conversation about this before, but what, what is it about theatre that makes you feel comfortable sharing your voice?
0: Well, in theatre, you can be many people, right? And um, as an actor, I was able to put myself into someone else's shoes. Um, and then when I merged into playwriting, I discovered that I could give a chance to those who not who doesn't have a chance sometimes in the theater, right and and I saw also that directing will also open doors to choose who gets to be in that role when it's predominantly dominated by, the privileged ones. So that's what sparked that need of like, I want to make a change. I want to be able to create stories that also includes people that I didn't see myself represented here in Canada. Even in, in Latin America, even in South America, most of the, for example, the telenovelas were predominantly by the, the fair skin actors and the darker skin actors were like the lower class and we rarely see a black actor in the telenovelas. Why is that? Well, it's colorism. We also have racism, but it's called colorism. Yeah, we, we have colorism among our own people and classism. So it's like if you're lighter skin, people think you have more money and you are treated a little bit different. And if you are darker skinned, people tend to think you're poor or they just like, they put, there's a stigma. And then if you're like me, right in the middle, um, you're just in the middle.
1: (laughs) Thank you for explaining that. Um, When you first came then to Saskatoon, seven years ago, um, what, I guess, what were your first impressions of the theater scene here in our city?
0: Uh, It was predominantly white. And I remember going to school and not thinking that I was going to be able to have a place because I've never, I never saw anyone on stage that was like, different.
1: That was at the U of S?
0: Yeah, okay. at the U of S. And even on the main stage of Persephone or any other theater was really, I've never seen any show until later on that had actors, like diversity, BIPOC actors or playwrights. They were predominantly white and people say, oh, it's because it's the Prairies. I'm like, oh, that makes sense because if you go to Toronto, you go to Vancouver, um, you will see that they have their own theaters. Um, Aluna Theater is huge in Latin American community. They have Obsidian Theater for Afro community. Then in Vancouver, they even have a Latin American coalition for, La- for Latinos uh, artists. So it's like here in Saskatoon, I was like, we had nothing.
1: <laughs> How did that make you feel?
0: It made me feel um, not excluded, but that I didn't belong. So for the longest time, I felt that I didn't belong in Saskatoon in terms of the arts, just because I didn't see myself and on, on stage or among the community. And while I was in school, having an accent also made me feel that I have like a huge disadvantage because that, that's just the way it went in class. But later on, I noticed that it's not really a disadvantage. The more you see uh, plays and the work that Aluna Theater does, they are breaking that boundary where they say, an accent is just an accent. Like, you have a British accent. You have a, I don't know, like an American accent. So it, it's not so different to have another language accent, right? So that was the whole thing where I just felt that I didn't belong and I didn't know if I will ever be part
1: of the community. So when you're, the, like, that, that's a really, that's a really strong, like, that's a powerful statement, Julissa, because you're coming here and, and if you don't feel like you belong, then I guess how as an emerging artist, how how did you how did you cope with that, with those feelings and 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 maybe use those feelings to to do something?
0: Well, that's what drove me to write my first play. I free that was uh, is the result, the outcome of frustration and wanted to show my culture and who I am and being able to speak my language. And, still show people that you can, you can see theater that is bilingual. You can see theater that you don't need to um, less you don't need to have a neutral accent to, um, to perform or to connect with the story. And mainly, I just wanted to show that the newcomer story is universal, because you can move to another city and you're still a newcomer in that city. Yeah, you don't need, you need to move, you, you can come from a small town in Saskatchewan move to Saskatoon and be a big city for you and you still you're still a newcomer. That
1: that is very true, isn't it? Yeah.
0: Yeah, so th- that that's what drove me to write that play is just like rejection after rejection I was thinking like I either move to a bigger city city or or I do something. And that's what drove me to do that.
1: Okay, so for, for people who aren't familiar with the play, can you tell just a, a little bit about it? And and it, and you just did a really nice job of explaining the motivation behind it, but uh, what what is the play about?
0: So I, Frida, is the story of a young refugee girl coming with her family when she's 14 and the whole struggle of finding herself in a society that's totally different, with a different language, language um, the meaning of culture, family, and having that motivation or idol to follow through her hardships and Frida Kahlo turns into be her idol and her mom so it's that that um checks the position of who I am and who I want to be and what the society wants me to be like the Canadian society so it's a journey it's like the newcomer journey and struggle and yeah all her dreams and how she's going to achieve them once she finds her true self
1: what was it like writing that story here in Saskatoon? And I asked that too, knowing that you obviously felt some some struggles when you first came here and, and when you first started school. So what what was it like writing that when when you are the newcomer here?
0: Um, honestly I didn't know what I was doing at <laughs> the beginning. I was just writing and putting my story out there. What I found is that I was amazed by the people who believed in my project and reached out to me and said, I like what you're doing. I want to work with you.
1: So, who, who was reaching out to you?
0: For example, Ezzy Grammett, um, they told me they wanted to write a play with me. But they were, they were so busy that they couldn't. So, I was like, well, you know what? I'm going to do it myself. So then I applied for the French in Saskatoon and I got the spot and once I got the spot I was like, holy, then now it, it's on, I have to do it or I was to lose money, right? <laughs> so then I remember I was doing um, apprenticeship at Live 5 about, I think it was playwriting or dram- dramaturgical stuff, like with Gordon Portman. And I just told Gordon, you know, this is what I'm writing and this apprenticeship was going to help me to have a better idea about production and what what's involved when you're writing a new play and producing it here. And then he really liked the idea and he said, "You know what? If if you need a dramaturg, I'm happy to help
1: you." To to have that kind of support, especially in your in your first playwriting experience. How how important was that for you?
0: It was huge because he was the one who pushed me to keep writing when I felt that I couldn't. Um, also because I, I had my own mental barrier about the language. So I was like, maybe I'm, you know, it's my second language, maybe I can't, maybe I don't, I'm not making sense. I don't know, it's, it was a lot of uh, self-esteem issues, I guess. Because in school it was hard, and I was told in school that, I, it, was, that it was going to be so hard for me that I had that whole mental barrier that, you know, made it harder to write and believe that I could make something that was worth watching. So having him as a support, because he was my he was my professor, I think he was my voice professor for one term, so having that support from someone who, who taught me and believed in me kind of pushed me, like really pushed me to keep writing more and putting my thoughts, and he really understood where I was coming from, even when I didn't know how to put it in words, he kind of like pulled the words out of me and, and helped me put it on paper.
1: I, I never thought about asking you about that, but th- that's such an interesting point in terms of the language barrier, because for me that's like, I don't even think of that, like being here in, in Canada, English being my first language, but that, that would be a barrier for, for you um, when, when you were done writing the play and, and performing it and hearing the reaction from people, like what, what was that experience like, especially going through what you went through to, to have it made?
0: It was mind-blowing, because as I said, I didn't know what I was doing. I was shocked when people would be like, I loved your plane, and I was like, "Like, do you? like? Be honest, like, really? They're like, yeah, I connected, I loved it, how you did this and that. And my own partner said, yeah, you did a good job. I was actually surprised, and I was like, okay, thank you, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but I was, my expectations were low, honestly. I just didn't know what to expect. I didn't. I was shocked when I saw the four out of five, Star review from Star Phoenix um, because it's, it was my first play. I've never, I've written, like I, I write journals since I was eight. I journal since I was eight, but I've never written a play. I don't know. If journaling helped me in a, in a way of like my writing style. I don't know, but I wasn't expecting the, the outcome I got. So it was very rewarding, and that I feel like that was the leap of faith that I needed. Like that, that pushing my self-esteem that I thought, you know what, I can do anything. I want now like I can if I did this I, I could do it.
1: In terms of reaction did you hear from newcomers in our community and if so what what did they say?
0: Yes I did have newcomers uh, in the community in, in the audience in and then loved it they were like thank you I you know I'm happy to to see something like this many people thought I was a biog- biography of Frida Kahlo but then when they came to see I think it was about Frida Kahlo they left the show thinking me like wow I I relate to that and I had a friend who cried and I was like I didn't mean to make you cry but she said that she really enjoyed it because she saw herself in there
1: did you what I guess what did you learn in terms of the power of theater from from not only writing that but then like you know performing it as well What what did you learn about theater
0: I learned that it's a powerful tool to project your voice because that was my voice and the voice of many other newcomers because I borrow from stories too because I used to work with a new as a settlement worker I, I used to work with newcomer families so then I borrow from many of the stories that I witnessed in my day job and and made a whole fictional show so that was the power of, of putting out there a voice that you don't really see it on stage at least here in Saskatoon
1: do you feel as though, and I, and I know now is kind of a weird time because of, of COVID and, and we're not able to gather in theatres, but um, do you feel that Saskatoon is getting, the theatre scene is getting better in terms of having those voices represented, or is there still a long way to go?
0: It is a still a long way to go, but theatres are working on it. And that's a first step, right? Um, I know Persephone just opened up uh, IPOC, commission for submitting a new work that will be entirely diverse and that's a huge step because back in the time when I was in school and I would go watch a Persephone show I never thought that I could have a chance in there.
1: You are listening to Episode 4, Season 3 of YXE Underground. My name is Eric Anderson, and this episode features Saskatoon playwright, actor, and theater owner, Julissa Campos. Subscribe to YXE Underground on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. You can also stream episodes on Spotify or at yxeunderground.com. Please feel free to leave a review if you like what you hear. Be sure to follow YXE Underground on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and that's where you can see some photos of Julissa performing her play, I, Frida. This past summer, the controversy surrounding Saskatoon's Persephone Theatre brought issues such as diversity, racism, sexism, and privilege to the surface in our local theatre scene. I think that's what makes Julissa's work so important is that we need to be hearing these diverse stories on local stages. I asked 25th Street Theater's Anita Smith why Julissa's voice is so important right now in our city.
2: Because the predominant voice in our theater community has been white men for a long time. And uh, it's been male and it has been white. Um, And I think it's just really refreshing to hear somebody else's perspective, and to hear um, how Julie is moving through the world and and seeing a play written through her lens, it's way more, it's really interesting for me. I can't I can't keep hearing the same stories over and over again. I go to a lot of theater. Three in one day um, is not unusual for me. So while well, pre pandemic it wasn't. So I think that I, it's. It's necessary for us as a community to start hearing other perspectives if we uh, want to be the truly inclusive society that we claim to be.
1: Inclusivity is a theme Julissa and I cover in the second part of our conversation. We also talk about her play, I, and what it will mean to perform it at the Singapore Fringe Festival and why she chose the U of S to study in the first place. I started by asking her if she feels responsible for telling newcomer stories here in Saskatoon.
0: Yes, I do feel the responsibility of at least write something that is um, accurate or faithful to a culture. I was writing a show for this French for this year called um, The Newcomer, and it's the story, the real story of a friend who came as a refugee from Uganda, from a refugee camp. So I have the the responsibility of doing my research because not because I'm a newcomer, it means that I know everyone's culture and everyone's story, right? And I also have my own prejudice and bias. So I think that's the first thing that I need to break down is that lack of knowledge and and that's my responsibility. It's like if I'm I'm part of this visible minority community, my responsibility is to learn also from the other communities so we can also be stronger and not have a divide within our own communities.
1: Is there pressure that comes with that?
0: more than pressure i feel like it's a responsibility just because i need to learn more and read more um but no it's not a pressure i think it's it's like a long a long way you know it's like it never stops you never stop learning
1: Aww. that's that's a, that's very true um tell me about your theater company why why did you want to start your own theater company
0: Um, as I said previously because I wrote that play and I had to do something for the French um, I had to create a theatre company
1: (laughs) (laughs) so it came out of necessity kind of
0: it came out of necessity and then I was kind of shy and it was just like you know it's just a name for the show that's it but then I saw that I could have power by having a company and then we didn't have any company here in the province. Like there's, no, there's no established or, or a collective or anything that involves Latinx community. And then I did my researching. I saw that bigger cities like Vancouver and Toronto have their established there. So then I thought, well, this is a chance for me to create something that is new and grow. Because in a bigger city, I might not be able to have the same impact as a small city, right?
1: um what in the in the you know year or so that you've had the company what what kind of impact have have you seen
0: i have people texting me or messaging me saying that they are super proud or happy to see something like this in here um and as i said at the beginning i didn't know what i was doing i didn't know the impact so i was very flattered and my heart was so happy and warm by receiving these messages i had um People in Saskatoon, Hispanic people, message, like emailing the company asking for auditions. Um, but unfortunately, we don't, we don't own a theater. We don't, we're not like big enough to have like, okay, let's have a general audition. But I, it's good to know about them because sometimes if there's a bigger project, I might need actors. Like in shortcuts, we needed actors for trap that were Hispanic and speak Spanish, and we didn't have any. It was such a hard time to find people here in the city that I knew of, right? But because we went online, then some of the actors were from Toronto, and yeah, so it was easier because it's a bigger city with more population, more Hispanic, Latinx community. But yeah, so it, it, the fact that someone messaged me saying, I would like to know if there's, there are general auditions for this company, it's a step, you know? It's a step that, that means that we could open a door for newcomers or diversity here in the city.
1: That must feel so good.
0: Yeah, it yeah. does. It <laughs> does. Sometimes it doesn't hit me until later. When I'm like, right now I'm talking to you. I'm like, it is. It does feel good.
1: <laughs> um, this is a very silly question, um, but when you when you say um, Latinx, what what does that what does that encompass?
0: So Latinx is an, an I don't know if it's new term, but fairly new uh, term used for those who come from the Latin American region, but don't identify as latino or latina because our language is very very gender. Spanish is very gender, so we don't have we don't we don't have the pronoun they. It doesn't exist in our language. So either you're latino or latina. So the the x involves all the people who does not like, do not um, identify with it or even do not identify with um, being latin american. Because you can be Indigenous Latin American, you can be Afro Latino, right? So it's it's a term that it's more um, inclusive.
1: I was just about to say that sounds so inclusive, yeah. Um, so you 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 start this theater company, um, you're you you do your first play, it gets it gets rave reviews, um, and then COVID happens. Uh, what what have the last? You're smiling now. Like what what have the last? seven eight months been like for for you as a as an independent theater company owner playwright actor who's you know who's trying to grow this in our in our city what's it been like
0: Uh, it has been tough (laughs) kind of a nightmare sometimes trying to find funding because we can't move forward if we don't have money right and it's expensive and i do believe that actors art artists in general shouldn't work for free so that was my main goal is, like, whatever whatever project I make or I want to take on, I want to make sure to pay my artists at least, like, decent wage, right? So if I can't afford it, then I feel embarrassed to say, hey, I'm going to pay you this amount because I feel like it's just diminishing what they went. You know, they went to school for this. So they should at least get paid more than minimum wage. And I feel that... Um, here or, or I don't know anywhere else but I feel like sometimes people want to work for free and I just at least in my on my watch I don't want to let that happen right so that COVID made my life way harder because for example we got accepted for the Singapore French Festival that is supposed like it's going to happen in January so we were supposed to go to Singapore and perform there and have our Asian premiere um,
1: like that. That's that's huge. I just want to stop you there for a second, because um, when I met you in the summer and we were talking about that, and you mentioned that, I was like, that's like that's huge, Julia. So that's that's wonderful. Um, but okay, so the, I just really wanted to emphasize that point. Like, that's really great. Um, okay, but then, <laughs> but then what happens?
0: Well, then yeah, I've been struggling to find. Um grants and she's applied to every single grant that I see and yeah I was able to get some money so I'm happy now but the past few months I was on the verge of quitting the festival because I was like I either break my own bank and pay everything and everyone and be poor or I just quit right but I have that part of me that says no you're not quitting you're holding into this and something's gonna work out I'm a true believer that something is gonna work out
1: Where, where does that come from
0: what my feeling of like yeah. I don't know my, my parents always said the same thing like they, they raised me thinking that some things are out of your hands but you need to be perse- perseverant. like you need to persevere yeah I feel like that, that that feeling of persevering in life I think that's what made me stubborn and not quit and hope that I was gonna get some money which I did but I was so close I was so close to quit because of the lack of money, and I had sleepless nights where I was like, I can't do this anymore. Yeah.
1: Where Where is the um, uh, current state of, of the play? So we're, we're speaking right now. It's it's near the end of November. Where Where are you at in terms of, of the play that you're going to perform? Obviously, you can't go to Singapore, but where 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 are, we, where are you at right now?
0: So right now, we I'm almost done with this with the draft, the final draft that is slightly different from the one from the French festival, but not so different because it, it, it just got longer. Instead of 60 minutes now, it's a 90 minutes play. Um, so we are going to start rehearsals next week and very short rehearsals, like three weeks and just shoot um, the I'm sorry, film the, the play and then the recording is gonna be sent to Singapore. So it's going to be streamed online because for all the international artists, the festival decided due to the high risk of COVID and second wave, it was better to film it in your home place, in your hometown or country, and then send it to Singapore. And it's going to be more um, accessible because that gives them the chance to add uh, captions and subtitles and, and, you know, anyone can watch it now. And that's a great thing because it's not only targeted to a certain type of audience, it's global.
1: What is this going to do for for your career? Have it like, because to me, this seems like a pretty big deal.
0: Yeah, well, I mainly, so I applied with IFRIDA. So I guess I didn't explain, but um, so from the Singapore, from, sorry, from the Saskatoon uh, French festival, I applied to the Singapore Fres- festival. With the same concept, the same play, and then I got accepted in June. So um, it was a huge deal because I mean, that I'm taking my show abroad, right? It's like I'm representing Saskatoon in Singapore, right? So that was huge because I'm like I can put my name out there as a playwright, as an actor, as a producer, uh, and. Yeah, that, that's like a big deal in your resume, right? And also, more than that, it's my own experience because I'm producing an inter- a show that's going to be international. Um, because of COVID, I couldn't go. I couldn't go, but at least it's the same quality. So the play had to be expanded to 90 minutes. Instead of 60 minutes, had to be rewrite in certain ways. Um, and we have an actual theater, like a theater with all the lighting. Meanwhile, in French, you just have a small space and you try to make it work with whatever you got there, right? Ours was a school, a church gym that had like basic lights and that's it. So this time we have a full theater, like a big theater with everything included that I can just make magic happen, just per se, yeah.
1: Is this uh, more exciting or nerve-wracking for you or a bit of both?
0: A bit of both. I'm excited. I guess I will have my nervous attack maybe later on when I get closer to the filming, but right now it's exciting and stressful because I'm trying to like figure out many things at the same time. I,
1: I'm I am very curious too, um and you can talk however long you want to talk about um about what what brought you here in the first place. How how does how did you end up from Ecuador to, to Saskatoon where we look out the window and there's like literally two feet of snow on Broadway right now.
0: I know <laughs> Well, um, when I finished high school in my city, we didn't have a university that specialized in acting. And as I said, since I was 12, I fell in love with acting, and that was my dream. So because we didn't really have like a professional training, we had like conservatories or things like that, but we're not really professional. We're more into TV and reality shows and things like that. I knew that I had to go abroad. So then, from there, it was just more like an elimination process where I was looking for the country that was the cheapest or that would allow me to stay if I wanted to stay. And Canada was the country that is, um, is, easier to migrate. You know that you can stay and get your permanent residency and your citizenship without going through a lot of things that you could go in our countries. And tuition-wise, for international students, was the most affordable compared to our countries. So then I applied to many universities and then I got a scholarship here at the University of Saskatchewan. So that's why I ended up in Saskatoon. and I didn't even know where it was <laughs> or that the winters were so horrible. A friend of mine says I got catfish. I'm like yeah when I came here I kind of felt like that. But <laughs> <laughs> but it has its charm, you know, and did. Yeah, so seven years later, I'm still here, so there's a reason why, I guess. Oh my gosh,
1: what, when, you, when you landed at the airport, like, what, what, what time of year did you come?
0: I came in August, Okay. but still, I remember landing and seeing just, like, brown and green patches all over from the sky, so I was like, where, where is the city? Where are the, like, the high-rise buildings, you know, where are the skyscrapers,
1: how how big was your was your home in Ecuador?
0: Um, it's pretty big. It's the second biggest city, and we have around three or four million people in a city that is like the size of Saskatoon or smaller. Yeah. what, what
1: is the city's name? Guayaquil. Okay. Yeah. So three to four million and or three hundred thousand. So then, um, but yeah, like you said, you've stayed here for seven years. What what has kept you here?
0: Um, work. Yeah. friends that turned into family, partner. Oh. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so far, yeah, I think uh, Saskatoon became my second home. Yeah, and now if I'm thinking about moving, it's like, okay, I have to start all over again, which it doesn't scare me, but for now, I feel like what kept me here is the fact that I could, that I have been able to grow professionally. Um, and it has been a place where I found a new opportunity But I feel like in a bigger city because it's so big, it will be harder so to me it would be I don't know if it's true but it might be easier to go to a bigger city already with the foundation that I've developed here in Saskatoon if I ever move. You
1: you say that um, you know you've had the opportunity to grow here um, as a person as an artist where 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 do you see yourself growing in the the next couple years here in Saskatoon?
0: Um, I would love to make this company bigger and eventually be able to have our own space and um, the more I think the community is growing and the future artists coming out of school or any training, I think I want to make a space where people can train without needing to go to university. Because I feel like, yes, university is important, but sometimes you don't have the money for that. Not only the privileged ones get to go to university. So why not be able to train um, aside? aside and also work on your craft without needing to pay the big bucks to go to school, right? Yeah, so, yeah, that's my dream. Maybe have a space where I c- people can train, especially the underrepresented community. Uh, those are the ones that I feel that have the, the least um, opportunity to go to university.
1: Um, may I ask you how how does your family feel like back home in Ecuador? How how do they feel about? all the things that you're doing here and and the fact that you are you were blazing i think you're blazing a theater trail here in our city how do they feel about that
0: they feel very proud and my friends even back home my my artist friends um they feel very proud and they applaud me because i'm like but it's Saskia too and it's small but they're like no it still is huge just yeah. like oh thank you I, I don't know sometimes i just don't realize really the impact of things until unless people point it out and i'm like oh i guess i don't know i'm I don't know. Sometimes I'm very like grounded in terms of like I, I don't see the holistic picture until at least someone tells me, and that makes it more meaningful.
1: I, I um, I think that I like how you said the word grounded because I was about to say I think that's a very, um, good sign of you, of how humble you are if if you're not recognizing that because you're doing the work and you feel that the work is important and yeah, it sometimes that's true, isn't it? It's not until someone points it out to us that it's like oh yeah that's right
0: yeah well thank you but it's true I feel like if I start uh, putting really high expectations can take away from from the genuinity of what it actually is you yeah. know if I'm like oh I wrote the best play in the world it actually was crap you know so it's, it's not the same it's not the same as someone points it out and it gives a different point of view
1: um, I know you're a very, very busy person, so I really appreciate you taking some time to speak with me today. Um, and I and I wish you luck with the Singapore um, Fringe Festival. How how can how can people tune in in January? How can they watch your play?
0: Oh yeah. So if you want to follow us on Instagram, yeah. you can go to uh, Icaramba Theatre at Icaramba Theatre on Instagram. Facebook the same, I Caramba Theatre. I think I should spell this so people might, might get confused. So it's a very Spanish saying, Ay Caramba. So it's A-Y-C-A-R-A-M-B-A Theatre, I Caramba Theatre. So you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and then we'll be posting um, about the Singapore French soon. But if you want to go straight to their page, you can uh, Google Singapore Fringe Festival and then we'll start selling tickets on the 23rd of November, I think, the whole social media starts. Um, Tickets, I'm not sure, but I think they were $15 as far as they told me. It's gonna be an online show and yeah, you can watch as many shows as you want because it's like a whole, it's like a global festival where people from many countries come and and showcase their art there.
1: Including Saskatoon, Saskatchewan.
0: Yes, including Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. So yeah, come support your local theater (laughs) and come watch iFrida from the comfort of your own home. There
1: we go. Julissa, I think you're wonderful. Uh, Thank you so much for speaking with me today And, and best of luck with the play and the festival.
0: Thank you so much for having me, Eric. It has been a pleasure. And
1: I'm not so (laughs) busy. My thanks to Julissa Campos for taking time out of her very busy schedule to appear on the podcast. You can follow her theatre work at iCarambaTheatre.com and check out her podcast, Latinas in Stoon, on Apple Podcasts. This has been episode four, season three of YXE Underground. My name is Eric Anderson. I host, produce, and edit this local independent podcast. If you like what you just heard, subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your podcasts. You can stream episodes on Spotify or the website yxeunderground.com. And that's where you can find every darn episode of this podcast. And let me tell you, there are some good episodes. In fact, they're all really good. So please check them out. Follow YXE Underground on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. And don't forget to leave a review. I want to thank my cousin, Andrew Dixon, for making the music for YXE Underground. Andrew, I hope you're staying safe and healthy down in Los Angeles. Thank you to Danger Dynamite here in Saskatoon for maintaining the website. And before I go, I want to let you know that I'll be releasing a short but very special holiday episode before Christmas that I think you are going to love. So be on the lookout for that. Oh, and I want to thank all of you who purchased a YXE Underground T-shirt these past few months. We managed to raise twenty-three hundred dollars for Prairie Harm Reduction here in Saskatoon, and I just think that's that's friggin' awesome. I just think that's great. So, so thank you so much for not only supporting the podcast, but the great team at Prairie Harm Reduction. I want to acknowledge that this episode was recorded on Treaty 6 territory and the traditional homeland of the Métis. YXE Underground is a production of the Salt Hammer Production Company. My name is Eric Anderson. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll talk to you soon, Saskatoon.